We are working in our series on, on spiritual warfare, third or fourth. I think it's the third. I can't remember. It all goes together. Uh, last week, no, it is the fourth. Yeah, last week we did, uh, we spoke on the armor of God. We defined uh, God's armor as literally the armor that God puts on himself in Jesus Christ to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. The gospel, the good news tells us that Jesus Christ gives us this same armor by faith so that we can do all that we're called to do as Christians. And the idea of clothing, the idea of armor, the idea of putting things on in the Bible, it expresses inherent realities and capacities and it helps communicate purpose. So when we talk about God's armor, we're talking about who he is, what he's done. And we talk about, when we talk about putting God's armor on ourselves by faith in Jesus Christ, it's who we've become and what we're called to do. This morning, we're going to focus in on the belt of truth. It speaks about the, the readiness for action that we've been called, not just even as Hal said, not, Hal said we're just not to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. The belt is, in some sense, very important for us to be able to do the things that God calls us to do. So again, this morning, I'm going to read from the the larger passage, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. We're going to focus specifically on just the first half of verse 14. So let me just read that for us this morning, and then we'll pray, and then we'll talk about it. So Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. It's God's word. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And here's our verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Paul goes on, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let me, let me pray before we, we go through this passage. Father in heaven, I thank you for, again, an opportunity, this this opportunity that uh, we have to come together as your people. And while it's different, um, it's still good. And you are a good God. And you are at work among us. And you promise this morning as we, we sift through your word, you promise to bring about your intended consequences. You promise to build up the faith of your people. I ask this day that you would use me, this man, to speak your truth in a way that gives you glory, builds your church. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So in this passage, we're, we're, we've been, we talked about it last week, we are warned about the fierce opposition that we face as Christians. And this is really true. The Christian life is a battle. All of life is a battle. There is a real enemy. And we need help. We need the armor of God. The first piece of armor that we're going to talk about to help us in this battle is the belt of truth. Stand, therefore. Stand, having fastened on the belt of truth. We're going to talk about three things very quickly this morning. We're going to talk about the problem of truth, the power of truth, and the path to that truth. Problem. You know, there are differing ideas why or about why Adam and Eve committed the first sin back in Genesis 3 beginning of the Bible some think it was because of pride or unrighteousness I'm sorry ungratefulness pride or or not being thankful other people think it's doubt and unbelief remember God or Satan said to Eve did God really say Even though we're not certain as to the reasons why Adam and Eve fell, we can't get behind the curtain there, but for the most part, but the devil got them somehow to not trust the truth of their relationship with God, with each other in the world. We do know the temptation of Adam and Eve was a relational attack. Devil got them somehow to think wrongly about the truth of their relationship with their creator. The relationship with one another and the relationship to the world. And much more to it than that, I am sure. But Satan attacked Adam and Eve, fell for it. And nothing in the world has been the same ever since. Some of you know that I'm a fan. I like books. Books used to be my only hobby. I've expanded a little bit in my older age. But one of my favorite books is John Milton's Paradise Lost. And I know that when I tell you that, you, you think I'm... You may, for those of you who don't know me, you may think I'm smarter than I am. Uh, I had to read a couple of books to understand Milton's Paradise first. But once I read a couple of books on Milton's Paradise Lost, I really began to enjoy it. And in the book, according to Milton, which is an epic story of uh, the battle between God and Satan. That's what, that's what Milton's Paradise Lost is all about. Jesus is the hero, Satan is the enemy, and he puts real life to Satan. It's, it's interesting. And in the book, Satan suggests that it's possible, listen to this, Satan suggests that it's possible to be happy and free no matter what because of the power of the mind. According to Satan, the mind is its own place of truth. He says at one point in the book, the mind is so powerful that we can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven if we want to. Interesting aside, in Milton's Paradise Lost, Satan gives birth to a daughter out of his own mind. Just kind of blows up and Satan has a daughter. Her name is Sin. You have Satan and his daughter, Sin, and they come together, and together they give birth to death. Satan, sin, and death, such a 
happy family. The point is, it all started out of Satan's mind, his thoughts, what he believed to be true. The mind for Satan is the foundation upon which his kingdom is built. His own mind, his own thoughts and about what is good and what is true. It helps us understand, I think, our battle or our temptation with sin. Like Eve, we may doubt God's goodness in our minds. Did God really say? Or we think maybe God is holding out on us. We think in our minds that we deserve better than what we are getting. What happens in the end, we take things into our own hand because of what we think is true. And oftentimes we end up doing the wrong thing. And that's the problem of truth. Is it our truth that matters? Is it God's truth that matters? And how do we get it? I mean, I, could, I, I like this. We could, we could go through redemptive history very quickly like this. The question to Adam and Eve and Noah. The question for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The question for Moses, Joshua, the judges, Saul, David, all the kings of Israel and Judah, even Ahaz that we read about. The question for Jesus. And the question for all of us here today. Who are you going to trust for the truth about what we believe about God, about what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about the world and how we get salvation in the world? That's the problem. Now, the power of truth, and I I actually fooled you. I didn't want to say it too, too up front. It's really the person of truth. It's the person of Jesus Christ which is powerful. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized on behalf of his people and he's he's baptized not because he's a sinner, not because he needed to repent. He's baptized because in large part, he identifies with us as human beings in the closest possible way. And what happens in Jesus' baptism sets the stage for all that Jesus has to do for the rest of his life. If you go back and you read that passage in Matthew chapter 3, what you see happening here in the baptism of Jesus is the heavens are opened. The Spirit of God descends and rests on Jesus, the Son of God. And, the God. and God the Father says, this is my beloved Son, with him I am well pleased. And right after that, Jesus is led out into the desert, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, who is the father of lies talking about truth he meets satan the father of lies and he's really tempted to doubt his heavenly father to trust in his own abilities and to take the easy way to glory those are the temptations but he doesn't because he's girded with the belt of truth, the truth of God's spirit, the truth of his father's word and declaration that he's loved beyond measure and his father is pleased to call him the beloved son. That is the truth of the gospel that, that girded Jesus' belt so that he could go into the, into the wilderness and fight the lies of the devil. It's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel for us, that God's spirit, if you have Jesus, you have God's spirit. The same spirit that rested on Christ. If you have Christ, you have his spirit. He's at work in our hearts and 
We don't have to doubt God's goodness. He has sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have abundant life. And in the son, God looks at us, his people, and he says, and I need you to hear this, even today, God looks at us in Christ Jesus and he says, you are my beloved children. I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And even when the devils or the evil darts of the devil come your way, God is declaring and God's word promises that he will be with us and he will never leave us. Just a personal aside, when I sin, and as I was thinking about this sermon, when I sin, and I sin often, when I go my own way, when I do my own thing, it's usually because of one of two reasons. Either I really think I deserve something that I'm not getting, which is my pride, or I doubt that God really has the best plan for my life. I doubt him. I think I have a better plan. Honestly, these two go together, pride, unbelief, doubt. The truth of the gospel is that God has done all that is necessary to make me right with him, to make me right with other people, to make me right in the world that I live in. And that is the truth of the gospel that I have to stand on, that we have to stand on. Truth of the gospel protects me from pride. Because I don't and I can't do anything to save myself. Protects me from pride because God is the one that had to intervene because I had absolutely nothing to offer. That is the gospel. I cannot live in pride. It's a lie. But it doesn't, the truth, it doesn't just keep me from being prideful. It keeps me from doubting and despairing even in the world that we're living in now. Because I do have value. I am important. So important that God's son has died for his people. So I don't, I don't have to be proud, but I don't have to, to be in despair. Truth helps me love others, even those I disagree with. God loved me when I was his enemy. My love for others is not contingent what I, on what other people think, what other people do, what other people believe. My love comes from the love of Christ, knowing that God is at work in the lives of every human being, and I don't know what their end is. Lastly, the truth helps me to live in obedience to God's law. We kind of forget about that. When I'm living according to the truth, I'm following the Ten Commandments. I'm seeking to please the God who created me. He's told me a lot of what I need to be doing. The belt of truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about his person. It's all about what he's done. It's the powerful message of the person of Christ, and he changes everything. It's the power of truth. Now, how do we get it? The path. It comes in only one of two ways. Either comes through uh, the, the path to a truth, a truth. Comes, comes through the path of self-sufficiency. The path to the real truth comes by faith. It's always one way or the other. 
We can trust God for his picture of reality or we can work real hard to make things work out in our own way. That's why we read about Ahaz this morning. I want to bear down on that in a minute. For Isaiah, who's writing about Ahaz, you need to understand that for, for Isaiah, faith in the Lord's promises is a practical way of life. And I think we need to think more in terms of this. Faith is not so much an individual exercise, but faith is a way of living for those who seek to live in the truth. King Ahaz was threatened by foreign forces. I'm going to call them the darts of the devil. And I don't know what it is you're being tempted with. I don't know what it is you're struggling with, but they're darts of the devil. King Ahaz was threatened by foreign forces, and he was, he was tempted by his friends, by unbelief, and by pride. And, and Isaiah, or God, through Isaiah, comes and he says, yeah, I want to read it specifically, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. It says at the end, if you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Or you could say, if you don't stand in faith, you won't stand at all. Ahaz was under pressure from his advisors to use the wisdom of the world, to use his own, own political prowess, so to speak. But the issue was not one of politics. It wasn't one of worldly wisdom. It was one of faith. It's as clear cut as this. Will Ahaz seek salvation by works, by politics, by alliances, by his own abilities? Or will he seek salvation by simple trust in divine promises? Because faith is trusting in certain realities. And they are these certain realities of God's promises. Rather than trusting in ourselves, in other people. Faith is not a leap in the dark, but a conviction reached on the basis of evidence. And that evidence is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ for us. And you either believe in him or you don't. That's the challenge that we have, not only every Sunday, but each and every day. Am I going to trust Jesus with the truth? And and I do have to say, I really believe, and I, I I don't care whether you're a progressive or you're a conservative But I really believed if we love Jesus Christ as much as our worldly friends believed what they believe in, we'd make a much bigger impact in the world. I wish, I wish I grabbed hold and was so forthright with Jesus as some of my friends are with their own opinions. God's belt of truth that we must wear at a minimum is this. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of Christ. And we have God's declaration that says, You are my beloved son or daughter, and with you I am well pleased. That's one of the hardest things in the world to remember because we in and of ourselves are not very pleasing. We don't do a really good job of loving our neighbors. We don't even do a good job of loving the ones we supposedly love. But God says, in Jesus Christ, you are beloved. With you I am well pleased. And we know that's true because Jesus Christ has come. He's died. He's been raised from the dead. And we know that he is at work reconciling, restoring all things. 
Faith is the central reality of the Lord's people. It's not just something that we have inside. It's the way that we live. It's the path to the truth. It's the way that we stand against the lies of the devil because Satan comes as a serpent to deceive and manipulate the truth. And because of that, it's necessary that we be girded with God's truth. When we wear the truth found in the gospel, all the different aspects of the gospel, we are equipped to do everything that God calls us to do. And I believe these are the days where we have the opportunity to shine like we've never had the opportunity to shine before. We need to hold on to the truth, and we need to speak the, tr- the truth. And it's the whole truth. It's not part of the truth. It's everything that God has done in the person of Jesus Christ for the world. And I look forward to seeing what God's going to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the, the great God who is at work in this world, who's at, who's at work in our own hearts where you know, sometimes we think we have to know all these things. We don't. We just have to look for you, look to you, seek hard for you, and you'll lead us in the way that you want us to go. Father, use your words here this morning to build up your people in this building that we would walk out, that we'd be girded with the truth and we'd be bold with the truth. We'd love the truth and we'd love you. In Jesus' name, amen.